You're listening to the Becoming a Star podcast, where we interview athletes, coaches, GMs, and others in the sports industry about their career and what it takes to make it to the highest levels. And shot, score! He scores! 2.1 remaining! Can you believe it? Our guest today was a graduate of Boston College, was the director of hockey and business operations for the USHL's Dubuque Fighting Saints for four years, then went on to be the director of hockey operations for the USHL, the United States Hockey League, uh, the only tier one junior league in the United States, spent one year as president of the Lincoln Stars, and has spent the last two years as vice president of hockey at Visual Edge. His name is Adam Micheletti. We're excited to have him in today. Like I said, we had some audio issues with his audio to start, so I'm going to let you know a little bit about what he shared with us. Uh, He played hockey growing up and unfortunately had some injuries and concussion issues during his junior days or right before he was thinking about going to the USHL and uh, talking to different schools about going to play college hockey eventually after that so his career got cut short shorter than he wanted and was unable to play uh you know past 16 17 years old so then he went to boston college transitioned away from hockey didn't really think about hockey as much of a career just kind of wanted to get out of that path and not think about the past a little bit and he graduated from boston college moved to St. Louis, where he got a position outside of hockey, ended up getting a call from George McPhee, who was the general manager of the Washington Capitals at the time, is now a general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. And he went and worked for George McPhee. And that's kind of where his love for hockey came back. And I, I forgot to mention, while he was in St. Louis, he also coached a Bantam team while he was there and ended up taking him to the finals in his first season coaching him. So that kind of uh, sparked his love for hockey again. He said it only took a couple months for it to come back and he knew that's what he wanted to do. So then he transitioned after getting that internship with George McPhee. Uh, The Dubuque Fighting Saints came into the league, I believe in 2009 and 2010, and it was owned by uh, former NHL and current NHL executives, uh, including Peter Shirelli, who was the GM of the Boston Bruins at the time. So they brought Adam Micheletti on board. He was only, I believe, 27 years old, so still pretty young. He said he didn't necessarily know a whole lot of what he was doing, but wanted the certainly didn't want to pass up the opportunity to be part of something special. They went on to win two Clark Cups during his time there in 2011 and 2013. He had Johnny Goudreau and Zemgis Gergensen's come through the building. Uh, guys, as we know, who, you know, Zemgis was taken in the first round and uh, Johnny was taken in the fifth round, but would have easily been a first round pick, probably top 10 pick if NHL execs had known that he was going to be as good as what he is. So now we'll turn it over to Adam and bring him in for the rest of the interview and questions. Yeah. Going back to your first time coaching, winning a state championship and your 
<laughs> first <laughs> attempt. Do you think things would have gone differently if that wouldn't have happened? If it would have gone the total opposite direction when you <laughs> thought differently about stuff? You know, it was, it's a good question. I think, um, I think I found my passion for hockey within that first month or two, just being around the players, you know, and even though they were, they were younger, seeing their passion for it. And, uh, just like even just conversations with, with our assistant coaches and just talking about how can we as a group get the most out of these, out of these players and, um, what are we going to do in practice? Because we know they've had a long day of school and just those types of conversations as little as as small as they might've seemed at the time. I think it just allowed me to find my, my true passion for the game. And even if we would have struggled all year, um, I think I still would have realized that that was the path I wanted to go down. Right. So you mentioned going to uh, Dubuque pretty early on and having a ton of success. Uh, really, they were one of the most dominated teams right out of the gate. You guys won two Clark Cups. You had players like Johnny Goudreau and Zemgus Gergensen's come through the door, which is uh, always pretty cool to see guys like that coming through the USHL. What was it like being such a part of a winning culture early in your career, and how did that help you kind of grow as a professional? Well, I think it's um, – I think I learned two big things with it. One is that it's really hard to win a championship – and if you don't have a team, like a, a team first attitude, and it's not just the players, but the entire organization, it's almost impossible to win because you just, you can't, you know, it, in every sport now, everything is so close. If you look at, if you look at the NHL playoffs, I mean, as long as you get in, you have a shot to win. And that's the way it is every year. And it's, it's so hard to be so much more skilled than everyone to win in any sport nowadays. And so we just, we had such a great culture, not just the players, but the entire front office with everybody doing what was best for the team and not for the individual. And that, that really stuck with me because, you know, later on when I went to the league office and I could kind of see how all the teams operated, it was easy to see just from the very beginning who had a chance to win and who didn't have any shot no matter how many good players they had because they were missing that piece. And it's not just in hockey where that becomes important, but just, I think business in general. Um, I think everything that we do is, is about working um, as a group. And I think that's, that's just really important. I see it now with, with our group at visual edge going through this, these difficult times right now that everybody's dealing with. Um, but the fact that we have so many good people there and we're all taking on things that when we were hired, we weren't necessarily supposed to do. Um, but we're, you know, whether it's making phone calls to lacrosse teams or baseball teams that we don't necessarily have the background with, it's just doing whatever needs to be done. So I think that was, um, that was a really important piece that, that I learned there. And, you know, the other thing too is, you know, finding ways to um, put players in situations where they can succeed, but also allowing them to grow. Um, I, I still think back to one of our very first conversations on, uh, you mentioned him, Johnny Goudreau, 
And so when he came to us, the plan was that he was going to be going to Northeastern in three years. So, mm-hmm. so the plan was he was going to be in Dubuque for three years because, you know, we knew he was really skilled. Uh, we didn't have any idea he'd be as good as he has turned out to be, you know, especially that first year when he won rookie of the year. But uh, it was the uh, tryout camp and it was after the first day of main camp and we're sitting there and we start putting names on the, on the whiteboard and we've got Goudreau slotted in the fourth line as a guy who's going to be in and out of the lineup. And, you know, just a guy who we're going to need to give some protection to. And one of the things we started discussing, well, is he going to have good enough players to play with? And, you know, and this was still in the summer and we were just talking like, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll move him up to the top two lines playing the top six, but he's, he's still not going to be good enough to, to make that jump. And then, you know, we get back in preseason in the fall classic and he just takes off and, it's just kind of funny you look back on conversations that, that you had. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the things we did was our attempt was to move him al- along slowly, but Jim Montgomery and, and our coaching staff still wanted to give him the ability to grow into the player that we knew he could be. He just got there much, much faster, and that's a testament to, to how Johnny is as, as a person. Right. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't. I don't think the NHL expected him to be what he was no. either. Otherwise, he would have got taken <laughs> a lot right. higher than than what he did. I'm curious. You know, obviously, I worked for the Lancers. How involved? You know, you mentioned the ownership group a little bit. How involved were they with the team? They, you know, they they weren't that involved. What they did was they obviously were involved when it comes to the budget. And they had said, though, from the very beginning, listen, we know that we can make more money by investing in Apple than by owning a junior team. So it's, it's not about that. It's not about the bottom line. But at the end of the day, we still want, we want there to be some profitability, as anybody involved in business is. Right. Um, but they really wanted to make sure that we were doing things the right way. And they wanted to make sure that everything was about the player first. And that when people talk about Dubuque, it's not just about championships. It's really about the experience the players have, uh, the fact that they're moving on to uh, colleges afterwards. Not that they can't go and turn pro, but the fact that we are doing everything in our power to put them in a position to succeed uh, educationally. Right. And I think that's why, you know, when it comes to everything off the ice, uh, I still think Dubuque does, you know, if not the best, one of the top three best uh, when it comes to just everything they do for the player to make sure that they are succeeding on the educational side. Parents feel very safe having their sons there um, and they still do a great job with it. So they weren't really involved with telling us, hey, look at this. And he, even Peter Shirelli wasn't like that at all. Um, his main focus was the same as the rest of the ownership group. It was about what's best for the player. Right. And, you know, given they were some uh, high statue hockey people in the world, were they involved at all in any um, player discussions or anything like that? Or did they leave that up to you guys in the the hockey op side? Uh, You know, 
uh, Peter was not. He was not involved. He uh, he had Stanley Cups to worry about with the Bruins. <laughs> but uh, right. but you know he he was great though. We didn't talk specific players with him, um, but like he had invited Monty and I to sit in with he and his staff for uh, NHL drafts and just hearing how they would discuss players and discuss their team and what they were looking for. That really helped us um, in how we were building not just the the team but the staff as well. Uh, so that, that part was really good to bounce ideas off him. Uh, you know, when it came to Brad Kwong, he, he would help us if we were having discussions on, on players and what we were looking for. And, you know, but he wasn't out there scouting or saying we should get this guy or we should get that guy. But he was also just another person that we could bounce ideas off because he obviously played college hockey and, and uh, has been very successful since then and around the NHL. And, you know, he's, he was just really good to, to speak with on those ideas. Right. Yeah. That's uh pretty incredible. What Dubuque has built over time. They were super good this past year. It's an unfortunate for everyone, obviously uh, me working in Omaha, <laughs> we were doing well as well and uh, would have liked to have the chance to finish the season. So that was kind of unfortunate, but you know, yeah. things happen. So there's always yeah. next year, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Um, you went on to work at the league level. Everyone knows USHL's the easily the greatest junior league in the United States, one of the best in the world. What was your role with the USHL, and what was that experience like? It was a phenomenal experience. Uh, so I oversaw all of hockey operations uh, for the league and handling everything from rules to um, – you know, running the, helping run the competition committee to overseeing suspensions. And it was a position that just kind of came out of nowhere. And I spoke to a few different people because my concern at the time, like my focus was I wanted to work in the hockey operations department for an NHL team, eventually move up to be a GM. And so I spoke with a few different people to make sure that it didn't move me away from that path. And at the time, I, I think I was 27 or 28. So I was still young and learning my way around things. And, um, you know, the people I spoke with, they all said, absolutely take it. It'll be the best experience you've ever had. And it really was because I think at, at that point I was, it allowed me to, uh, build relationships with, with more people and also learn how to deal with not just GMs in the league, but also with owners. And, you know, even though a lot of the time, both groups are looking at kind of have the same goals at the same time, there are a lot of times where they are just on the total opposite of the spectrum. I, I and, definitely I mean, we, learned that. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And, and we see it even with the NHL and with, with all professional sports. I mean, it's, it's all like that. Right. Uh, so it was a great learning experience for me uh, over three years and, and to get involved in a lot of different areas because it, it also allowed me to learn more about what the good organizations do on the business side and what the poor organizations uh, don't do well. And so I was able to learn basically, you know, what the best way, in, in my opinion, looking at the different teams, what the best way is to do things. And so it was, it was a really good learning experience and I really enjoyed my time there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, then you made a couple 
stops in between with uh, you spend a year as president of Lincoln Stars. I'm, you know, I'm not a huge Stars fan and uh, we don't need to talk too much about that one because we got more to get to with. Uh, I really want to talk to you about Visual Edge because I, sure. like I said, I'm a personal user of it and I have read a lot about it, a lot of good things. So I kind of want to learn more for myself and help others learn too. So, um, you know, I guess first things first for those who don't know, and I would be terrible at explaining it, even though I'm a user of it. Can you tell us what Visual Edge is? Sure. So uh, the best way to to explain it is that it's uh, sports vision training. And by training your eyes, it allows you to not only see objects uh, quicker, find open passing lanes faster, but it also allows you to process information uh, more quickly and accurately. Uh, obviously in hockey is every single year, it seems like it gets faster and faster. Uh, so that obviously becomes a, a really important piece, but what really makes us different from some of the other training products out there is that everything is completely customized to the individual. So if you and I go to the gym, we're going to be given different workouts just based on our body types. And it's the same idea with the eyes. And so we can identify the strengths and weaknesses of the eyes. And then we create a customized training plan. And through that, you do the training, which is all done from your own laptop or tablet. You only have to do it three times a week, 10 to 15 minutes each session. And then after six weeks, you take a new evaluation and you see what the, uh, what the progress that you've made has been. And we all progress at different rates. And it's, it's the same thing with the eyes. And you can compare your scores to players your own age, but also NHL players, because we work with over a third of the NHL teams right now. So it's, uh, it's a really interesting product. And it's one of those things that, you know, when you think about it, you use your eyes for so much. Uh, 85% of the information that's going to your brain is coming in through your eyes. But it's really the only thing you, uh, a typical athlete doesn't train. We have all these nutritionists and strength and conditioning coaches and, uh, you know, even, you know, people telling you how many hours you should be sleeping to, to get your ideal uh, number of hours. So it's, you do all these different things, but it's really the eyes that are so important with every sport, not just hockey. And I think that's where, you know, more and more people are starting to understand that, but I think three to five years from now, everybody's going to be talking same thing as with strength training. Why didn't we start doing this earlier? Right. Yeah. I have to be honest. Uh, since I started using it a couple months ago, I don't have a, a great way of explaining it other than I feel mentally sharper, like all the time. Yeah. Like I feel right. like I have more concentration, even more like patience, uh, I don't know. There's just something I, uh, the, the best way I can describe it is just mentally sharper and has helped me in a lot of different ways. I feel like maybe it's also something else, but I'm, I'm giving credit to visual edge because it, <laughs> the timeline fits. So I, I can't yeah. think of anything else. Uh, and I know you did a little bit of explaining and I also know you're not a doctor, but can you explain like how it helps athletes and how long does it take to see those effects? Sure. So to me, the easiest way to explain it is if you want to get um, stronger biceps, 
you start with 20 pound dumbbells and then the next week you're up to 25 dumbbell dumb, uh, 25 pound dumbbells and you're doing the curls there and and you continue to get stronger and stronger it's the same idea with the eyes what what we do through this customized training plan is every week it just gets a little bit harder and it's straining the muscles of the eyes and it's straining it in a way where you're building strength it same thing with uh with weightlifting and so that's really what we're, what we're doing with that. And then after six weeks, when you take that new evaluation, then we can tweak the training plan if needed. But that's, um, you know, you're not only building overall strength, but as you kind of alluded to there, the overall endurance so that you're not, so that you are able to concentrate for a longer period of time in all areas of life, not just on the ice, but whether it's in the classroom, driving, a lot of different things. Right. I don't, like I said, I don't have a good way of explaining, but it, uh, I personally wanted to try it just to see, just cause I was reading about it a lot in different articles. I'm a big Flyers fan and I know Carter Hart <laughs> uses the program. So yeah. I was kind of reading, I was like, I also play goalie. So I'm like, I, I don't know how much it's going to help someone like me who's just in beer league, but I was just curious to use the program and it's honestly yeah. helped me in ways that i feel like uh, I didn't expect and it's been a, a good thing. So uh, I mentioned Carter Hart uses it, Ben Bishop, Philip Grubauer, a lot of the top goalies. And like you said, at third in the NHL, obviously their preparation is super important. Do, and you kind of talked about how it goes to different players, strengths and stuff like that. Are those players using anything special within the program or are they using the exact same stuff that anyone can use? Uh, so they're really using the same exact thing that anybody can use. Uh, I think what we found is one of the ideas that we came up with uh, about a year and a half ago, we realized that one of the goalies uh, that uses Visual Edge, he was using it about two hours before, uh, before a game. And whenever he would go on and start training with it, we knew he was starting that night. And so he was using it almost like a, a warm up, like a lot of goalies use juggling and things like that. So that's kind of what paved the way to us creating uh, the game day training section of it, which is something that you can use up to four or five hours before the game. It's just meant to warm up the eyes. And so, you know, other than that, though, they're doing the same exact thing that that you can be doing on there as well. It's um you know, everybody just has their, their own individual training plan based on how the eyes are. Right. That's pretty cool to know that, you know, anyone can do the exact same thing as, you know, one of your favorite players are doing. Right. Um, so you kind of talked about this before we came on, but I was curious, uh, since the pandemic happened and everyone has kind of taken everything off the ice. Uh, I know you mentioned a decrease in some players, but increases in others. Um, you know, what, what's that kind of been like, you know, who has been adding to the program? You mentioned a lot of youth players coming on. I mean, is that what, what like age groups are the, the top users for visual edge? Well, we work with kids as young as eight years old. Um, but we've really seen an influx in kind of that, 12 to 17, 18 year old range. I, I think right now, you know, there's so many question marks as to what do sports as a whole look like come the fall. And so we've seen a, a bit of a decrease when it comes to 
uh, NCAA teams and CHL and USHL teams actually purchasing it for next year just because they don't know what their budgets look like. They don't know when they're going to begin next year. Uh, even though we've received a lot of commitments from NCAA teams, uh, it's still a little kind of up in the air. Everybody assumes they're going to start playing in the fall, but until they step on the ice, you just don't know. Right. Uh, but everybody's looking for something to do right now from home. And the fact that this is only three times a week, 10 to 15 minutes each session, it's something that you can do from, from your own home. We've seen a, a number of uh, youth players sign up for it. We've, we've seen a great increase there. But we've all also seen a really good increase with our NHL teams. Uh, you know, we've, we're working with over a third of, of the NHL now. Uh, all the NHL officials uh, use Visual Edge as well. We've, uh, this past season was their first year using it, and uh, they're going to renew for next year. And then uh, you mentioned Carter Hardy talks about it quite a bit. And so the Philadelphia Flyers have been a great partner as well. And they've, they've been using it based on uh, really the recommendation of Carter because he started using it last year just on his own as an individual. And this turned into, you know, the Flyers organization using it. So it's, it's really been a, a great, um, I don't want to say great. It's been a really interesting few months in terms of figuring out uh, who's using it, who's not, and, um, you know, what they're finding, like what benefits they find from it during this time. It's obviously a, a really difficult time for, for everyone with, with safety being the, the primary concern. Um, but it's, uh, it's been really interesting from, from a business perspective. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, refs using it. That's <laughs> interesting. Kind of funny. Uh, so next time if a ref misses a call, does that mean I get to blame, I get to blame you guys if, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all our fault or you know what? They probably just lost sight. Somebody uh, skated in front of them, but, uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's been really interesting to work with the officials because, you know, and it's similar to what, what players say. And I'm sure you've seen it where it's not like you go out there and every single play, you notice a difference. It's just not possible like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are going to be certain situations that come up every game and you think to yourself, I wasn't able to do that three months ago. And now through this training, even though you can notice a difference just even after four weeks, uh, just, you know, like with officials, they've talked about, you know, uh, being able to tell whether or not the puck crossed the blue line or not for the linesman, uh, for the referees, was there a high stick before it went in? Uh, was there a deflection? Things like that, that they're now able to see that they, you know, acknowledge not being able to tell the previous season. Right. So it's been really interesting to see how they've used it because we've had some NFL officials use it um, in the past, but not on a regular basis. But uh, Stephen Walcom, who oversees the officiating program for the NHL, he and I had conversations for a while and he was immediately all in on it. He's a very progressive thinker and love the idea and the concept behind it. And the officials have been uh, behind it as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I had no idea, but it makes sense. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're out there 60 minutes yeah. a game and have a pretty tough job to do. I definitely would not uh, take that job. And I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I don't give too much garbage to any officials because yeah, I, would, would not be tough. would it not be so good at tough. that <laughs> yeah it uh, is it is so difficult it's one of the things that 
when I worked in the USHL league office and being involved day to day with the officiating, it, it made me realize just how hard of a job it is and how many difficult situations they get put in on a daily basis. Right. And they're probably the most unliked people as well, which doesn't yes, help absolutely. anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I know we talked about kind of different age groups and uh, obviously I'm a total different demographic than uh, a pro athlete. So what, I mean, who is this program really designed for? Like, is it, uh, obviously you want it to be for, for anyone, but should I be telling people in beer league to get it if they just want to get a little bit better? I mean, who, who is this really for? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think we, I mean, you know, on our website, you can see that we work with athletes in all sports from everything from hockey and baseball to golfers, PGA players. Right. Um, I think what's, what's really interesting about the program is that, it can help you in so many different areas and it doesn't matter if you're a goalie playing in the NHL like Carter Hart or if you're a skater who's nine years old that's trying to become the best player that he can be and I think that's that's what's great about it is that it really does help players at all levels and in all sports and so there are a lot of different ways that that you can use it. And, you know, I tell everybody, if you want to hit your true maximum, visual edge is something you should really use. I think, you know, anybody that's been involved in hockey at any level, we all know the player that has all the skills in the world. And for some reason, he or she just can't put it together. And sometimes it's just because there's an issue with the eyes or they're not processing information fast enough. And so we have the ability to allow you to reach your ceiling and make sure that it's not the eyes that are holding you back and to give you that advantage. And so I think that's really where it's, it's really important because, you know, at the end of the day, any athlete, the last thing they want is to regret not working hard enough or not doing, not taking that one extra step to allow them to get to their true potential, to, to reach their true potential. And I think that's where visual edge is so important. Right. From a development side like that, I work, I personally work with uh, a kid who just started playing goalie this past year. So he's got a season under his belt now. He's only seven. He'll be eight this upcoming season. What is uh, a timeline for someone like that? I mean, when's a good time? Is any time a good time to get him in the program? I mean, when's the best to really get the most out of it? Yeah. I mean, for, for me being involved with a day to day, the benefits I see, I think somebody should just start right away. Uh, we do have some athletes that might take a month off in the summer, maybe two months. Um, but as long as your training sessions, as long as you're not doing the training immediately before you go on the ice, uh, you're fine to, to do it during the season. And you want to continue to improve throughout that year. And you don't want to have regression because similar to weightlifting, if you stop using it, there is going to be regression. So I think it's something that, you know, make the decision to do it and then just start it. Same thing with anything, instead of waiting for, you know, for new years to come up with, 
you know, with whatever it is that you want to change for that next year, just start doing it immediately. And it's the same thing with this. It's not going to hurt you by starting too soon. Right. Okay. And I know uh, I will certainly tell the goalie I work with to, uh, or his parents to think about it because I, I think one of the, uh, big things he has is, um, his, uh, I think it is vision. I think, you know, he, uh, maybe a little bit scared at times. And I think something like this might be able to help him in, in certain ways. So, uh, I will definitely recommend that to him. Uh, Perfect. I know you mentioned different sports. I was curious. I, I know you guys do use it in different sports. Is it the same or different for different sports or is, is everyone using the same thing no matter what? Yeah. So it's, it's the exact same training. Um, so it, it doesn't matter based on like when we create the customized training plan, it doesn't matter which sport you're playing, but when we're analyzing the scores and especially when we're working with the high end professional athletes, we look at different categories differently. So for example, with a golfer recognition, which is, so one of the categories that we work with is called recognition and that's how quickly and accurately you can process information that doesn't come into play in golf as much as it does with baseball or hockey, for example. Right. But with golf, we're focusing more on eye alignment, convergence, divergence, and depth perception because that's so important when it comes to putting in the short game. Uh, so for golfers, for example, those are the ones that we try to focus on. And when we start talking to them about areas that they might see drastic improvement, those are the, the categories we're focused on. Whereas with hockey, it's, it's more of all six categories we really want to improve because they all come into play. So it's, just, it's the same training regiment. It's just a little different as to what those scores mean in each sport. Gotcha. How closely do you work with athletes? I mean, I know for me, you, it doesn't matter if anyone <laughs> works with me or not because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting paid to play. So it doesn't matter too much, even though I, I, I will say I've gotten an email from somebody in your organization a couple of times asking how I like it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but how closely do you work with someone like, you know, Carter Hart, who's using it to make a living? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with our NHL teams, we create different reports so we can compare the, the players that are using it to, um, other teams. So we can create kind of a team score and compare that to other teams in the NHL. We can look at their prospects and say, here's how their prospect compares to, uh, other prospects that play the position and are their age. And then here's how he compares to uh, a player that's already playing in the NHL. That's a top six forward, things like that. Uh, We do have uh, more interaction when it comes to the professional athletes. It's not completely necessary. Uh, It's one of those things to just help them understand what the scores mean. Uh, But the system can kind of tell them that. And some want that, want more one-on-one time. And others are just like, I'm just going to do what my plan says and just get after it and see how much it improves uh, my overall play. So it really just kind of depends on the individual. Gotcha. So obviously, you know, athletes are always looking for that competitive edge, something like this. 
are there any new things coming along for Visual Edge, you know, in the future that really ante up and stay ahead of the curve? I mean, what is what is the, you know, short and long-term future for you guys? Sure. I, I think there are, um, there are always things we're looking to improve. We don't want to say stay stagnant like any company, but uh, we're looking at how we can really improve the uh, some of the training exercises and make them a little different, how we can add more things to the game day training so that uh, there are more ways for players to warm up the eyes. And then just um, when it comes to overall comparisons, as we continue to get more and more data, how can we get even more specific? So instead of just comparing scores to other skaters your own age, if you're a center, can we compare you to other centermen? and things like that. So it's, uh, there are different things that we continue to look at. Obviously right now with, with the, the way the world is, we've kind of had to put a pause on some of those different items, but, uh, we're always looking to, to improve the, the science and users are going to continue to see improvements, uh, you know, every year. Are there any other sports you're looking to get in? One, one of the things that popped into my mind, I don't know if you said it, but, uh, I feel like tennis would be something that would be, you know, yeah. good for something like this. Yeah. Yeah. We work with, we work with athletes in all sports. It was, uh, it was interesting. That was one of the first things I learned when I came on board. I mean, we've got rugby players, uh, cricket athletes, uh, you know, um, professional shooters, it just kind of, uh, people in all different areas, even, uh, NASCAR. Okay. So it's, it's been really interesting. It's been really interesting to see the, uh, the different areas that, that we've been working with. And, you know, like I said before, when you really think about how important the eyes are for everything a person does, uh, it, it just, it helps in so many ways. Right. I'm curious, do you use it? I do. I do. Yeah. I still skate three times a week with, uh, with the blues alumni and I need, uh, I need all the help I can get with my eyes to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Give it, give you that competitive edge. Get, get you that's right. closer to the NHL players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. Well, I certainly have appreciated your time. I always like to end on a personal note. Uh, you know, I started this podcast geared towards sports families, those with kids playing youth sports, even, you know, maybe young athletes themselves. You've been through quite a few destinations in your still pretty young career. You may not be a professional athlete, but you are a professional who has had a lot of success. Looking back, what is a piece of advice that you would give to the younger version of yourself and anyone who has high aspirations, whether it be playing sports or in their professional career? It's a really good question. Uh, two things come to mind. When it comes to an athlete, I would say take your time. And I know more and more people are talking about it, and it's always the hardest thing for people to truly grasp. But um, there's no rush. Everybody goes at, at different speeds. Um, you know, really just focus on yourself in terms of not worrying about, you know, who your teammate is talking to, which schools or where they're being recruited to really just focus on being the best player you can be and everything works out. 
in terms of business, you know, the one thing that I've kind of learned is you go through different shifts and you might be thinking you're going one way and then all of a sudden a conversation you have will send you another way or you, you take a chance on an opportunity and it doesn't work out the way you want it to. And so I would just, I would tell people to learn as much as they can about a lot of different things and keep an open mind because I think what you think you want to do at 25 is going to be much different than at 35. Right. And I think it's, um, you know, I look at my own journey and I've learned a lot over the years as to what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy and, um, things that I thought you know, I never really needed to know, uh, have helped me get to where I am now. So it's, uh, you know, I think just keeping an open mind and learning as much as you can is, is really helpful. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of just to follow up on your first point there about players following their, their process per se. Uh, what did you see, you know, you spent a lot of time in the USHL. What did you see, different about the just certain players that made them stand out? I mean, what, what makes a player have that ability to make it to the NHL? I really think it's, it, it comes down to three things. One is hard work. Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact number now that I worked with in Dubuque during those three years, but I think at least eight or nine players are NHL regulars now. Um, and they were the ones that they were putting in the extra time in the gym. They were working really hard. And it's not that the other guys weren't because we had other guys that were fourth liners that were working as hard as possible. Uh, but they just didn't have the, the natural ability, which is, which is fine. They still play just as an important, just as important role as, as the other guys. Right. Um, but I think that's, that's one. Two is figuring out what you do best and accepting that. And so if you're a third liner, there have been plenty of players in the USHL that were third liners that have made it to the NHL as third liners there. And it was because they weren't trying to be a first line scoring forward when that's not who they were. And so figuring out what it is you do best and focusing on that and being content with it. And then really in the end, just being a, a team first player. Because you're always going to get the breaks if it's between you and another kid and the other kid is more of a selfish guy, but you'll do anything it takes to help the team win. That player will always make it no matter what. And, you know, I, I think there are, there are players that I saw in, in Dubuque and in the USHL in general that were like that, um, that always put the team first and were guys that you just, you knew you could win with. And they were the guys that have, that have made it, um, throughout the years. And I, I think those are really the three things that when it comes down to it, those are the guys that make it. All right. I completely agree being around the Lancers uh, pretty much all my life, but especially in the building the last four years, you know, you definitely those, those leaders just have a different way about them that you feel uh, that they just, have a good chance to make it just based on their work ethic. And, you know, like you said, they don't even have to be the most skilled. They just have to be good at what they do. So I yeah. couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Adam, I am very thankful for your time. Excuse me. Uh, learned a lot about Visual Edge myself, and hopefully we can take some of this information to give it to others as well. Yeah, no, thanks. Really appreciate your time and, uh, and good luck with, with your venture. Yes, thank you so much. Take care and hopefully we can uh, all get back to what we love doing soon. That sounds great. All right, thanks, Adam. Thanks.